Welcome everybody to today's Two Saints podcast show with myself, Mark C, and my co-host, Mark H. Hi, Mark. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing all right, but it has been, uh, as the Queen would have said, um, it has been an horribleus yes of of a week for football club, and we'll be yep. going on in the greater detail of it on this podcast. But in Absolutely. the meantime, I hope that all the listeners are keeping safe and well. And for those that haven't been vaccinated, I hope you get vaccinated soon. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So that takes care of the intros for today. So we've got a show email address now for the podcast show, which is the Two Saints podcast show at Outlook.com. And that's for any questions or features you'd like to see in future podcasts. And obviously the ways to access the podcast are the following. We've got a recording for you if you just check this out. They'll tell you how to access it. Just to remind you all, you can contact us via our email address, the Two Saints Podcast Show at Outlook.com for questions or items you'd like to hear in future shows. You can listen to the radio show on Fiesta 95 FM in Southampton and via onlineradiobox.com. Also, the Two Saints Podcast Show is now available via Spotify, Overcast, Acast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Deezer, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podbean or via our Facebook page The Two Saints Show and our YouTube channel The Two Saints Podcast Show. There we go. Right, coming up in the first half of today's show we have The Two Saints Review of Saints 1, Brighton 2 and Saints Club News. So we'll take a very short break and we'll be straight back. It's the it's Two Marks, CNH on The Two Saints Show, Fiesta 95FM. Right, welcome back, everybody. So, the Two Saints review of Saints 1, Brighton 2. Match report. And also, performances weren't good enough, according to Ralph Hassenhutl and Musa Gineppo's reaction as well. So, yes, Ralph said it wasn't good enough, Mark, and I don't think I really need to expand on that because um, he's pretty much nailed it in one sentence, really. It wasn't good enough, was it? First half was all right. Good goal from Shay Adams, but uh, very abject performance, I think it's fair to say. And the match reaction was pretty much the same, to be honest. All I want to say is, you know, I think some certain parts of our fan base went in the meltdown over the weekend. Oh, just a bit. Um, but what, what I would say is this, you know, let's try and be level-headed about everything, okay? What I would say, Mark, is that it was easily the worst home performance of the season. Yeah. Right? Um, and and if you want my take, I think Newcastle away was the worst away performance yep. because taking everything else into consideration, when you look at the Man United game or you look at other games that we would have lost, I do feel that there was mitigating circumstances in terms of the amount of injuries that Saints had yep. back at that given time. Yep, I agree with okay, so, so, so let's just concentrate there on the game itself. All, all I'm going to say is that I felt that the players didn't come out with the proper attitude on the day over the, night, over the 90 minutes, okay? Um, I also felt the players that were rested, right? You know, people like uh, Minamudu and... Uh, uh, Kyle Walker Peters, you know, and 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 Kyle Walker Peters is a very very important player for us. Hundred you know, percent. He, he's one of our quality players. I think we've got three or four at the club. Yeah, I agree with that. Right? And he he comes into that bracket. So him playing well 
is always relevant because I always think if your quality players are playing well on the day, you win the game. Definitely. Uh, and, and that's the case for a, a side like us. All right? Yep. You know, or, a, or a squad like like us, if you like. Yeah. Um, also, as well, I think Jan Bednarek's played every minute this season, I believe, Mark, and it's the last couple of games, it started to show a little bit. He's been caught out a couple of times, hasn't he? Which is very rare for Jan. So that shows yeah. how fatigued he is. 100%. I think he has been, you know, there has been one or two tired performances thrown in there. And I think, I do think that some, you're, you're all right, Mark, Sunday was probably, you know, tired. But, you know, I've, I'm not going to throw the book at him because like, no, like you said, you know, he's played every minute of every game. Same with Ward-Prowse. Ward-Prowse this season. Yeah. And, and Ward-Prowse had a dip in form as well, to be fair. The two of them would be two of my first starters yeah, on, on the team sheet, you know. Yeah. But but having said all of that, um, you know, Stuart Armstrong had an opportunity inside the first ten minutes. Oh, um, and um, Shay Adams had an opportunity yep. within the first ten minutes, and then as soon as that happened, Brighton comes into the game. So Brighton come into the game. Lewis Dunk scores with a header. From from Ryan, almost outside the area. Yeah. Ram Bertram. I mean, all, all I'm going to say, Mark, is I didn't have a problem with Ram Bertram being on, but no, me at least at least get a jump on him. Yeah. At yeah. least get a jump on him, you know? Um, yeah, he didn't really kind of do anything. He kind of sort of half-turned, half-backed into him. He didn't really commit to anything, did he? Yeah, exactly. Almost gave him a free header. Be f- well, it was a free yeah, header, let's be honest. Ground for a kick-off. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So, 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 but having said that, I mean, you know, so Brighton take the lead, uh, you know, and I, and I thought on it that probably – Deserve to take the lead because, like I said, first ten minutes we were fine, and then they started to dominate, and obviously they got their goal through their domination. Yeah. Um, and then it was a strange one, you know. We replied with the Shea Adams goal. Yep. And and you're kind of thinking to yourself, we're in the game now. Yep. Um, and funnily enough, it was at that point, sort of. 10 minutes after we scored that we were dominant. So the, there was that period where we were at 1-1 and for the 10 minutes after we scored the goal, we looked yep. like we were going to go on and score a second. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Miller, people like Mel and me knew at that point come to life. You know, they're not, they're not doing anything the rest of the game, but they come to life in that purple patch. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and the thing was, was in that actual purple patch, ten minutes after we'd scored, we didn't, we didn't score, right? Brighton come back into the game towards the end of the half, you know, and we're going in at half time one one, and you're thinking, well, it's not as bad as the performance suggests because we. You know, obviously the the first half performance was better than the second half performance. Um, you know, and then we go into the second half, and obviously you could kind of tell. You know, after the first five ten minutes, I thought to myself, "We're looking a bit sluggish here." 
you know, we're looking a bit punch drunk, and and basically Brighton, you know, the the score through Tossard. Um, I still, I I want to say one thing, you know, much as I say about the players that were rested not turning up in the, you know, in the game. So that we're talking about the players that were rested for the Man City game. Um, the other thing that I would say, Mark, is our backline struggled uh, yeah. a hell of a lot as a yep. unit. They struggled, um, and also I've got to say say that uh, Diallo, um, you know, for me, for the job you were looking for him to do. And also the fact that he went missing, you know, I didn't hear his name enough. Yeah, I was going to say, I felt for periods of the game, the game just passed him by to be fair. Yeah. Which is disappointing because he showed a lot of promise when he first came in. Um, And I believe he's still got that ability, obviously. We know what ability he's got. And I think that was the downside to it. We know what he's capable of. In those sort of games, your central midfielders are key in terms of winning the ball, distributing the ball. Yeah, yeah. And and the other thing that I would say is is Oriel Romeo, that was his kind of game yep. on Sunday. Right? Yeah, and I'd like to add as well, Mark. So anybody saying that the tactics were wrong against Brighton and it was down to Ralph the way things were happening, ask Mark what was happening, people, because Mark was listening to the game and I was with no crowd noise on. So anybody who wants to sit there and blame Ralph Hassanu and say, your tactics are wrong, Ralph. They were knocking the ball back too often and sideways too much and backwards too much. Mark can put you to rights on that one because he was listening to it with no crowd noise, same as I was. And he can tell you exactly what Ralph was doing because I'm, I'm getting a bit fed up of hearing people blame Ralph for this one, Mark. And you can back Ralph up on this one because you heard what he was shouting, same as I did. I mean, all, all, I'm, all I'm going to say, Mark, is I just want to mention, you know, I'm, I'm saying about Romeo. Yep. The, the, the thing is, is he was missed in that game on Sunday because Definitely. he would have got about the players. Yep. He would have put one or two tackles in. And I do think that if you did that, say, against a Tossard or a Mope or a Lalana, you know, you're more or less putting them off the off their game from the get-go. I don't, I don't, you know, Ibrahim Diallo is a much more creative kind of player, right? He's a player that picks a pass, good vision, all the rest of it. I don't think he's the physical side of a central midfielder. And for that, we kind of did miss Oriol Romeo on, on Sunday. Just going back yep. to the point you made, so, if you actually sat with no crowd noise on Sunday, you can clearly hear, and especially in the second half, when our back four are playing the ball amongst themselves, Ralph is clearly heard saying, get the ball forward, get the ball forward, right? Similarly, um, you know, and, and this is through no fault of his own, but I, but I would say this, right? Whether you think Ralph makes substitutions late or whatever, what I would say about about Sunday was he made the substitutions, and I, and I would say that for me it made the team worse. I was going to say that, and Ralph said that himself actually, because he Ralph actually said the subs made it worse. Because he brought on he brought on Nathan Redmond, he brought on Gineppo, 
right? And clearly, what he was wanting from them, he wasn't getting, because you yep. could hear him on that make. I, I mean, it sounded very, very close to me, and I don't know where it was in relation to where he was or whatever. He's right next to him, but pretty you much. Clearly, you can clearly hear him, right, with uh, Redmond and Gineppo, where there was opportunities to cross the ball into the box. And he's going, cross it, get the ball in, right? And the one most infuriating thing, and that was with both players, but yep. the one most infuriating one that I remember the most was, must have been about four minutes to go, and Nathan Redmond had a, a perfect crossing opportunity, right? And Ralph was going, get it in there, get it in there, right? Or words to that effect. And Nathan Redmond passes the ball all the way back. The young Badnerak, who was stood on the halfway line at the time. And Ralph was, was apoplectic. I would have been good. I mean, well, I was going mental. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure Ralph was apoplectic because he certainly looked it. <laughs> he looked absolutely furious. Well, and the, the thing is, is I mean, I mean, <clears> yes, Ralph. The, as a manager, he has part of the responsibility, and I, you know. I'd always say that, but you can't legislate. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're going at the top of your lungs and you've you've sent players on the field of play with instructions, right? And I would imagine the instructions were pretty clear. Yep. Because he was pretty clear on the sideline. Yep. And those instructions are not being carried out. There's nothing you can do. Well, that's the thing. He keeps getting slated by fans. What can Ralph do if players aren't cooperating? And then people come out with silly stuff like, oh, he's lost the dressing room. He hasn't lost the dressing room. It's just um, a stupid comment to make. It, it is a stupid comment. The, the, yeah, the look other, at the players in training and him in training. He hasn't lost the dressing room at all. No, I, th- I mean, the th- the, I think the thing that we suffer with is confidence, mate. Yeah. And, and another key, but you know, another key thing that I spotted on Sunday was, you know, I high hopes for Nathan Teller because there isn't much else coming through apart from maybe seven months, right? But the thing is, is on Sunday, I was disappointed in the fact that Lewis Dunk was on him, okay, and he was playing up front alongside Shay Adams. But what didn't actually dawn on him at any stage was to kind of drag Lewis Dunk out to the left, you know, the left-hand side, right-hand side, whatever. You know, to drag him out of position to create space for others. And he was very much playing like in a tra- tram line. And it was very, very easy for Lewis Dunk because even though he's a very experienced, you know, defender, and obviously, he had, you know, Nathan's number to a degree, right? I did feel that there was opportunities where he could have dragged them out of position to create space for other people then coming in. Um, and, and I just thought he was, you know, it, he made it a little bit too easy for Lewis Dunk to mark him, to be honest. Brighton probably deserved it on balance of play. Um, yeah, and obviously Ralph was frustrated as we were. But um, yeah, that was that, and uh, we move on from there, Mark. We move on to the to the Bournemouth game at the weekend. Yeah, so, yeah. 
Anyway, that brings us to the end of the Two Saints review of Saints versus Brighton. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to do Saints Club news for you. Fiesta 95 FM, the Two Saints show. Right, welcome back, everybody. So, Saints Club news. Jack Bycroft contract extension, television selections for April, update on the women's season, club statement, team report Man City versus Southampton in the Premier League 2, Fulham versus Southampton under 18s, and James Ward Prowse 300 appearances for Southampton. So, Jack Bycroft signed a contract extension mark for two years. Absolutely delayed up more because, you know, the coin of phrase that that was very popular. Don't know whether it's still popular or not. He's one of our own. <laughs> and, that and, chestnut. and all I'm going to say is, you know, Jack has been in the system, you know, a la Ward Price, if you like, since about six or seven. And he is a Southampton fan. He's from the local area. Yeah. You know, I'm a pleased to see that he signed a new contract. Of course he am. Um, yeah, me too. You know, I, I, I'd love to see greater representation, but it's all about whether you're good enough or not. And clearly, at the moment, they feel Jack's Jack's good enough. He's making enough of, you know, progress and stuff like yep. that. So I, I very much welcome it, mate. And, you know, I wish him all the best for the future. And hopefully at some stage, you know, in his career, he's going to be making an appearance at St. Mary's. Yep, definitely. Let's hope so. In the first team. Yep, let's hope so. Absolutely. So, moving on. Two of Southampton's Premier League matches scheduled for April April have been selected for live TV coverage as part of the first batch of picks for the coming month. So, Saints versus Burnley, Sunday the 4th of April, kick-off 12 noon, live on Sky Sports. And West Brom versus Saints, Monday the 12th of April, kick-off 6pm, live on Sky Sports. Confirmation of remaining fixtures will follow in due course and will therefore provide details around the home clash with Crystal Palace once this is known. And I can't help thinking, Mark, Saints versus Burnley on a Sunday means we're probably not going to get a watch-along. Oh, bugger. <laughs> Yes, just for just for the listeners, the the reason why Mark's saying that is we normally have watch alongs for games, but sometimes when we have Sunday kickoffs, the watch alongs get thrown in the dark. And we have missed a few yeah. uh because of it. So hopefully yes, we'll be able to do the watch along. Um but I you know, I have to say when when I seen the movement of the two fixtures I was kind of like, you know, there's a degree of me now where I'm sat there, especially the Sunday fixtures, and I'm going, don't move, it's the Sunday. Yeah, please <laughs> don't. Please don't. But, but I don't know. I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm a traditionalist. I just prefer being played, played yeah. on a Saturday. Yeah, you and me both. You and me both. Even if it is late in the day, I don't care if it's 8 o'clock at yep. night or whatever, but... Saturday's my preferred choice. I'm not. I'm not really a Sunday man. Saturday's a... Saturday's always been football day, isn't it? You know, all those yeah. years of football focus and grandstand and final score and everything else. You know, it's yeah, always exactly. been a Saturday. But anyway, so moving on. Southampton FC Women's 2020-21 league season has been curtailed with immediate effect and declared incomplete. This is the second year running that Marianne Spacey Southside have won have seen their season declared void while sitting top of the FA. Women's National League. We'll just promote them already. Don't worry about games have been played or anything else. You don't need to. They've been top two seasons running. Just promote them. Over to you, Mark. Yeah, see, that this is strange to me, okay? So, okay, so they've curtailed the league, curtailed the league season, right? 
And as I understand it, Mark, <coughs> you know, to me it would be devastating for the girls that have been invested for the last two, three seasons, whatever it's yeah. been, you know, and and they've been top for the last two seasons and for not to be given the opportunity to go up. I know they're looking at it. There's a possibility that basically the season stops and as as it is now, those people get promoted. And I, I've got to say, you know, do the girls, do the women really want to do a third season at that level, you know, and have to produce the goods again? I, I think it's an awful situation to find themselves in. I think they deserve to be promoted. You know, you can call us fast if you like, but I do think, you know, the, 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 women's, the women's section has been the one successful constant yep. in terms of, I'm not talking about the first team here, but in terms of when you look at the B team and you look at the under-18s and then you look at the women's section, and the women's section has been the one most consistent, performing week in, week out, and, you know, they deserve to be promoted. So, let, so let's hope that that happens. Because I'd hate to think that, you know, the season starts again uh, next season and they're at the same level, you know, because yeah, they deserve to be promoted up. But And then the other thing that I would say is the reason why I also find it slightly bizarre is that they haven't stopped, you know, the FA Cup at that level. Right, because obviously Saints have got to play. I think two or three teams, you know, if they progress through the rounds, right? And they're all sort of lower league standard before you hit the sort of championship or the Premier League women, you know. Um, and I just I, I find that ironic. I understand that obviously the field the league needs to be curtailed. And they want to try and get the FA Cup done, but it is a bizarre situation. I'm sure you'd agree that yeah. you know the FA Cup gets to carry on even though it's yep. at lower, it's at a yep. lower league standard at the moment. But yet, you know, you can't finish the see, you know, you can't finish a league season. But yep. look, it is what it is. Let's hope that they they're they're given the promotion, you know, yep. as it stands, and. Uh, all, all I want to say is, you know, uh, as far as I'm aware, all I, all I would say is good luck to the women in the FA Cup. And, yep. You know, sorry that this, I'm really sorry that the season's been curtailed yep, again, but let, let's hope, as I say, that they're promoted. Absolutely. Yep, me and you both agree on that 100%. So, yep, let's hope that does happen. So, moving on. Club statement issued 16th of March 2021. Open communication to the victims and survivors of historic child abuse at Southampton Football Club. To all of the victims and survivors of the child abuse carried out by Bob Higgins at Southampton Football Club in the 1970s and 1980s, we are deeply sorry. Whilst we've provided statements from the club and written to a number of the survivors of Bob Higgins at their request, we've received feedback to suggest this approach may not have reached everyone impacted in the way that we'd hoped. We therefore hope this open apology might help to address this. Over the course of this year, we'll be providing information about the steps taken, what the club are permitted to communicate externally, 
since the club were first contacted by Hampshire Police in 2016. Upon completion of the independent review currently being undertaken by Bernardo's, we will publish what we've learned of the failings at the club that allowed and facilitated abuse to take place at that time and how that abuse could have been prevented. It's very clear that historically there were some very considerable failings that allowed this abuse to start and continue for such a long period of time. For a professional football club not to prevent this abuse or be able to provide support for anyone speaking up to report it is inexcusable. This, along with the impact on the lives of the survivors of the abuse, as well as the families around them, is something we are very sorry for. We hope that the steps we've taken to be entirely open with Hampshire Police since they contacted us in 2016 to make us aware of the possibility of abuse occurring at the club helped to show that the club is a very different place now compared to the past. We also hope that being available to the survivors that wish to make contact with us since Higgins was convicted will help to rebuild some trust with those who suffered so badly under our care. Over the last five years, we've learned a great deal about the abuse that happened at the club. This has been helped greatly by the interactions that we've had with a number of the victims and survivors. Each of those people have displayed incredible dignity and bravery in being open with us about their experiences at the club. Their views on what we can learn from those experiences so that we can apply those lessons to the safeguarding work we do now and their feelings on how we've handled engaging with the victims and survivors of abuse. We realise this has not been perfect at times, but it has been challenging. If anyone who suffered abuse at the club would like to speak with us, please make contact with us by emailing us at investigations at saintsfc.co.uk. We'll be happy to arrange a time to cover anything you might wish to discuss. We're awaiting the publication of the Sheldon Review and are fully engaged in this. We hope that the findings allow us to further understand how football historically failed to protect so many young and aspiring footballers. We're open to anyone who wants to contact us after the publication of the Sheldon Review or following the independent Bernardo's review we commissioned in May 2019 and which we will publish in full once complete. Our door is open and we'd like to hear from you. Once again, we are truly sorry for the abuse that any player experienced at the club and hope that we might be able to offer any answers or support that any of you might require. That was the club statement issued on March the 16th in relation to historical child abuse carried out by Bob Higgins during his time at Southampton Football Club. All I would all I would add to it, Mark, is it should never have happened in the first place. But 100%. you know the 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 thing is is that you know as the club says, it's a very very different place, and you know at least we're trying to engage. You know. You never, you never right the wrongs or something like this. You know, yep. you never right the wrongs. But um, you know, the thing is, is that it 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 was probably important once the report came out for the club to make the statement. But you know, I, I just feel awful for Me too. anybody who suffered at the hands of Bob Bob Higgins. Yep. I mean, Me you know, but um, there yep. it is. You and me both. So moving on from there, and a very very solid situation. Thankfully, he was successfully convicted, so he's he's paying yeah, the price for what he did, and so he should. It's only right. Anyway, moving on. So B team report: Man City seven, Southampton one, and the under 18s report: Fulham six, Southampton nil. Right now, can I have a meltdown? <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I, mean, 
how many times are we going to visit this more? Um, you know, people worry about the first team. I think there's a lot less to worry about about the first team than what there is going on underneath. Because what yep, is going on underneath is a disaster. It is a disaster. Um, and while I accept that the under-18s, it's all about development, you know, if you care to take a quick look at the tables, the under-18s are bottom of theirs, and the B team are second from bottom of theirs. And the results for me at the weekend was a combination of how both side seasons have been, right? Now, as I understand that there's a group of coaches that are responsible for the under-18s, and I've always stated that I accept that it's at that stage it's about development, right? A different picture for the CNSB team, right? They're, you know, delivering players for the for the first team. And I think one of the problems that we do have potentially for me would be that we play 18, 19 year olds in what is an under 23 league. Yep. You know, you've got sides like Blackburn and Derby who are obviously they enjoy the prestige of being able to play in the elite group, if you like, in under 23 football in the country, and they play overage players. You know, within the within the rules of the league, but they play overage players. Yep. Okay. And I, I just think to myself, I get that, you know, Southampton want them to come through at an early age. I get all of that. But and I'll, I'll go back to both teams and say to you, it doesn't matter how talented the individuals are, but for 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 both the under-18s and the B team, right? I would say that winning matches breeds confidence, right? Yeah, you, you may have an average player, you know, as he's come through, right? And then all of a sudden you're winning games and you see something about them, right? But the thing is, is it's a lot more difficult to find the gems or the diamonds within any team if they're losing games week in, week out, right? Yep. And the, com- you know, the confidence factor, you know, it, it's the same as in the first team, I mean, we're slightly avoid of confidence at the minute. You have to say it. And, you know, Saturday's game is going to be vital to that. You know, there's there's loads of people saying, you know, I'm more concerned about the league than the cup. But, I, I mean, I'm just touching on this briefly, Mark. But to me, Saturday's game is just as important. And it's nothing, to do, it's nothing to do with getting to the semi-finals of the FA no. Cup. It's an opportunity for our first team to go out and win a game of football. Absolutely right. And, sim- Absolutely right. and similarly, yeah. similarly, when we're talking about the under-18s and the B team, I'm sorry, but anybody who's playing for a, for our B team or our under-18s at the minute, <coughs> you, uh, obviously they enjoy playing their football, 
Yep. But you're, you must be a void of any sort of confidence whatsoever because yep, yep. we are, we are getting decked most weeks. Let, let's, yeah, yeah. We're losing games of football most yep, weeks. Right? And the yep. best thing we're doing is drawing games. And, you know, I, I don't want to have a go at the, I don't want to have a go at the under 18s. But there's two things I will question. I'll ask, you know, the director of who's looking after things down at Staplewood, Mr. Matt Crocker. Yep. And I would ask, you know, Dave Horseman, who's who's the manager or the co- the head coach of the B team, you know, what is actually going on? Because Dave, Horse, Dave Horseman, you have a worse record than Randy Jaydy. Yeah, he does. You know, yeah. In fact, he's probably got one of the worst records for for a B team or an under twenty three team or a reserve team. Yep. You know, for Saints, and you do question what's going on down there at the minute. I've got you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to give over about it, but it, yep. but it, it's hugely, hugely disappointing, and I can't see unless we're winning games of football. I don't see how people are coming into the first team and being yep, confident. Yep. yep. Absolutely. It, absolutely. All, it all has a knock-on effect. It's yeah. like you said, football, a lot of the time, it's psychological, it's yep. psychology and everything else. Yep, it is. Um, breed, um, success is bred from confidence as well. You know, confidence breeds success as well. So Nigel Atkins said that once. Confidence breeds success. So there you go. Anyway, moving on and talking of confidence and talking of success, who better than our captain to to emulate that? So three hundred appearances now for James Ward Prowse with Saints. Mark, fantastic achievement. Brilliant. Not bad for a lad. It was born in Pompey. Yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely superb. And I can't wait for the day when we get to celebrate his testimonial year. Absolutely. You know, because hopefully. I mean, he's he signed a contract that I'll take him up and pass that, and yep. hopefully he's still here if the powers of bay are not flogging him off to the hospital. Um, Absolutely, because because I I believe he may have been born in Portsmouth, but the 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 core of him runs red and white for me. Absolutely right. Um, Absolutely right. And, and, and your highlight, just, Mark. Oh, there's there's so many, mate. But I'm going to pin you down uh, to one, one big uh, highlight. I'll get. I'll give you two. Oh, one, well, I was going to pin you down to one, one, but I'll give you two. One's a quick. One's a quick anecdote, right? I loved. I loved the fact that when he was interviewed about his about his time at you know time with Saints and long may yeah. continue. You know, one of the things that he did say was was that he really enjoyed the derby recently. Well, yep. I say recently, two thousand nineteen, and. But he said, he said, when they were celebrating Danny Ings' goal, he was reluctant to go over because he could see the shower of coins that was being thrown at, at the Southampton, you know, players. And you sort of sit there and you think, uh, you know, with him saying that, you're thinking to yourself, what was the officials doing? <laughs> like, you know, or, or anybody else for that matter? That, 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 that. I mean... I was at the game and, and yeah, it was enjoyable. But I have to say, 
you know, I, I went there as the first great game where he scored, which was a 2-0. I think it was 2-0 against Comrie. It might have been 2-1. Aaron Martin also scored on, you know, yep. and um, that day. And uh, that was quite an event. But my favourite, my favourite is the the Tottenham free kick, 2-1 uh, win. Uh, we came back from the dead that day. And and really, when the ball hit the back of the net, mate, I thought the roof was going to come off somewhere. I was there. I, re- I, I was mean, right I, behind I, that. Honestly, the atmosphere was, oh, it was just superb. And superb. guess what? I was sat right behind the free kick. Oh, yeah. I sat right behind it, yeah. Sat right behind it. And I was up the other end. Yeah, no, I sat right behind it. Absolutely brilliant. I had the best view in the stadium. Just as it just as it nestled in the top corner. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. So, but Beat Larissa all ends up fantastic. It's been it's been a you know, it's been a bit of a roller coaster yeah. for him because I, I I always sat there and I've I've always maintained that James's best position was in the centre of the park. And we ha- you know, that lad has played so many different positions for us. Yeah. I remember they even experimented with playing him as a right midfielder, yeah. yep. playing him out wide. Yep. He's played right back, which again, I don't agree with any of it. His no. his best position is in the middle of the park, and I've long been a champion of his free kicks and taking the penalties. Absolutely right, absolutely right. For me, it's two career highlights for me at Saints so far. First ever England, four international call-up, which is fantastic recognition for him and the club. And the second one... Two free kick goals against Aston Villa on your birthday. It doesn't come any better than that. So I'm hoping on Sunday at Bournemouth, somebody just tells James it's his birthday. <laughs> anyway, but look, 300 appearances, absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for everything so far, James. And like Mark said, totally looking forward to your testimonial. Yeah, and I and think let's carry it on, James. Let's carry it on. And I think that sums that up brilliantly. So we're going to take a break now. But coming up in the second half of the show today, we've got other football news, Saints in the press and Saints transfer gossip and two Saints preview of Bournemouth versus Saints in the FA Cup. We'll be back very shortly. It's Mark C and Mark H. Mark my word. They're here with everything in the Two Saints show. Right, welcome back, everybody. So, other football news. And the first four stories are Sheffield United and Saints related. Chris Wilder has departed Sheffield United. Sheffield United having a very bad result at the end of a turbulent week. Um, also, Saints and Sheffield United both fined £20,000 for failing to control their players at the end of the game that they played recently. And the last one of those, Shea Adams called up to Scotland squad for World Cup qualifiers. And if you're wondering what the link is with Sheffield United, Sheffield United is where he actually began his career before moving to Birmingham and Saints. So there yeah. we go. Yeah. So basically, I'll, I'll cover all four very quickly. Yep, no worries, Mark. All, 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 I, all I would say on the Chris Wilder situation is there was a lot of money spent, £110 million. I'm trying to give a bit of balance here. Yeah. Right? There was £110 million since they've come into the Premier League. So effectively, you're talking about £55 million Yep. summer. Yeah. Um, but even besides all of that, Mark, what I, what I would say is, is Sheffield United have shot themselves in the foot by yep. getting rid of Chris Wagner. Yep. He is one of their own. He's a blade. Um, and the thing is, is irrespective of everything in the season that they've had, bear, bear in mind that you know Jack O'Connell, who's a linchpin at the back for them, 
the back line at different times has had the sort of, you know, the, the injuries thing. I know it's been the same for everybody, so I'm not making an excuse for him there. Maybe you could have argued that, you know, they they signed uh, Rian Brewster and he hasn't probably been the success that they were hoping for in the Premier League, right, yep. this season. But on the flip side of that, they've signed Aaron Ramsdale and to be honest with you, he's done quite well for them, yes. surprisingly. Yep. Um, you know, and I think the five nils, the you know, the first time that they've properly been beaten by somebody this season. I mean, even though they've been losing games, it's only been by the odd goal and stuff like that. So I think for for me, they've shot themselves in the foot by getting rid of them because I still think everything was in place for them to go up. When you look at the squad, you know, the squad have been in the champ a lot of the players have been in the championship before. And even if they're dropping down, you know, they're good enough of that standard to bring uh, Sheffield United back up again. So I think they've made a dreadful mistake by Axelum as the manager. And I just think that the result was was the combination of that. You know, yep. obviously it has affected the players that, you know, he's left. And yep. I get the point that Billy Sharp made that it was totally unprofessional. Yep, it and it was. Yep. But the thing is, is sometimes a person can leave a football club and it leaves the whole place dejected and deflated. And right. I think I think that's what's happened. And of what's happened, and obviously it's an impossible situation for uh, Paul Higginbottom to come yeah. into. You know the under twenty three coach. Well, it doesn't get any better either, does it? Because yeah. both them and Southampton have now been fined twenty thousand pounds as well. And I'll watch with interest to see who comes in because you know Jason Tinsdale, the ex uh, assistant has gone up there to help help yeah. out and obviously because he's gone up there to help out Mark there are people suggesting that Eddie High is on his way because yeah. apparently Jason Tinsdale's there to have a look and sort things out you know before the end of the season and then over no. the summer Eddie Howe comes Eddie Howe on his white horse no. Eddie but anyway, Howe wants a return to the Premier League just move just moving moving on from that the brawl, I mean, this... It was handbags at 20 paces. I, I was, I, I, I have to be honest, mate, I was baffled. There was one or two people had their hands around people's It was handbags. I admit that, but £20,000 each for the incident, I thought, that's exorbitant. You know, it, it is, you know, that well, is... There goes the... There goes the summer transfer budget. Thanks, then, Mark. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And then, of course, then we come to the final bit where Shay Adams has decided, after much consideration, that he wants to go and play for Scotland. Yeah. Uh, I do find it interesting because, obviously, um, Alex McLeish yep. originally approached him, and I think he looked at the. There, there was maybe a degree of hoping that he would get, obviously, noticed by England because of his goal-scoring exploits, yep. even in the championship at the time, right? And then, obviously, comes the us. But I think I'm, I'm going to be slightly cynical here, Mark, and say that 
you know, Steve Clark's timing was perfect, given that Scotland have just qualified for the Euros yep. this summer. And Shea Adams probably sat there thinking to himself, I won't get to play in that many finals. I'm not getting any rec recognition from England at the minute. I'm going to throw my hat into the ring. Yep. And uh, let's hope he has a good tournament because then his, his, his value okay. for chance will skyrocket. Um, okay, right. But just in case, you know, the listeners are interested, Shea actually qualifies for Scotland through his Scottish granny. And uh, we we on the pod wish him all the best, and absolutely, you know, I hope I hope that he bangs in a few goals during the Euros for Scotland if he gets the opportunity. He should do because when I look at what you know the forwards that they've got or the forwards in in the squad at the moment for the their next match coming up, right? I'd say Shea Adams is probably the most mobile of the lot. Yep, I think I'd agree with that. So, moving on to the Football League. Lee Bowyer replaces Ito Karanka as Blues boss. Steve Cottrell back home after COVID treatment. And Al Yasmi's at Wigan takeover agreed. So, that's uh, financially troubled. Lee One Club Wigan Athletic have agreed to take over with a consortium led by Barani businessman Abdul Rahman Al Yasmi. So, over to you, Mark. Lee Bowyer, Steve Cottrell, and Al Yasmi's takeover. So, the Lee Bowyer one, it's not any great surprise. Um, for for me, really, I you know when he when it was announced that he'd left Charlton, I did think to myself, has he got a job lined up? And then the very next day, he gets appointed Birmingham ma uh, manager. Um, I think I'm right in saying that he he started out at Charlton, and I think I'm right in also saying that he did have a period of time where he played at Birmingham, although he may not have. That might be me just thinking that. But um, what I was going to say, Mark, is it's the old average of bigger club, bigger budget, greater opportunity. And I'm sure, even though they look like they're heading down, you know, I'm sure that Lee Boyer is fairly confident that he'll be able to bring them back up. Because he did it with Charlton. I mean... They went down last season from the championship after he had brought them up from League One. So I'm sure that he's convinced that he would be able to obviously bring Birmingham up, stabilize them in the championship, and then maybe, you know, in a in a second season in the championship, give it a real good go. You know, but obviously the key is for him to bring them up first. But obviously he feels with the budget that Birmingham's got. You know, he can do it. Yep. One of one Nothing. interesting footnote that I found out about Birmingham is Karsten Young, who's done time, he's still got shares in Birmingham City. Wow. Might not be. But there you go, listeners. Hmm. Yeah, no, he's still, very got, interesting he's still got shares in Birmingham City. So apart from hmm. that, uh, the other the other Sorry, you're going to have to tell me the other ones, Mark. Oh, my oh sorry. Um, oh, Al Yasmi um, is taken over at Wigan. Yep. Barani so Businessman. So basically, I'm relieved for the Wigan supporters, for the town, for the community, because they have kept that club running 
And right. I've got to say that the takeovers richly deserved. And the owner has stated that he will put the club at the heart of the community Excellent. in the town of Wigan. And I hope he does do that. Yep. But I'm very, very pleased for those supporters who, over the last year, has kept that club afloat through the donations and everything else. Absolutely right. So we move on to Scottish football now. Old fan B teams could join League Two next season. Um, Scottish League one and two clubs vote for a 22 game season with a split after 18 matches. And also the last one of those Aberdeen. Sir Alex Ferguson is currently advising chairman Dave Cormack in manager such. So those are your Scottish football headlines. Mark. So the, the the first one going to the first one. Um, I'm. I mean, I wouldn't be in favour of there being Rangers and Celtic cold team cold teams, right in Scottish League football. Right, the proposal is that they're talking about two teams from the Highland League, two teams from the Lowland League, and a, a Rangers cult team and a Celtic cult team join basically the the lower the lowest league in Scottish football and work yep. their way up. Um, and I and I would I would turn around and I would say. I am sure that there are other uh, football clubs and teams within either the Lunar League or the Highland League that would love the opportunity to play in the league. I, I the thing is, is the 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 excuse that's always given for these cult teams to to play, you know, within the league structure is that it would help to develop, you know, Scottish football. All the all the main mind is all you're helping to do is develop players for Rangers and Celtic, who are yep. the two biggest teams yep. in Scotland. And how does it benefit if you have a situation where you know there's other clubs within the non-league structure that I'm sure would love to be playing league football. Yep. So I I feel I'm feeling the appreciate how having a cult uh, Celtic and Rangers team within the Scottish League structure would benefit any yep. of the other teams. that are playing or playing yep. around. You know the 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 one thing that the law was used is you might have supporters from Rangers and Celtic that will. Uh, quail the gates whenever these cult teams are played but a lot of the chairmen of the lower league clubs have pointed out how does that help to develop their players you know their younger players yep. and stuff like that there if you're introducing you know basically Celtic and Rangers cult sides yep. so that's where I am on that it's, the other thing I would say is is going on to the next story, which is obviously about the, the they've settled on a twenty two game uh, league basically for the season, and this yep. is uh, League One and League Two uh, Scotland. And I'm pleased that they're back up and running. Um, I watch a, a program every Friday called View from a Terrace. Yep, you can get on the <clears throat> player. Uh, there's three, sorry, there's four lads that introduced the programme. One's a, a Rafe Rovers fan, 
to our Hearts fans. And obviously with the championship going on, they've still had their football. But the main presenter is a lad called Craig Telfer. And he's a Stenhouse Muir fan. And I, I know that he, he, you know, he absolutely delighted that that football for him is back. You know, he's yeah. a great supporter of the lower leagues and stuff. So you know, it, it's great to see them back, mate. But apparently, you know, the leagues have agreed twenty two, and they're going to try and play twenty two. But right. if it's not possible, they're going to revert back to the Scottish Football League's plan, which would be an eighteen game season. Right. Um, you know, because obviously it's just dependent on whether there's outbreaks of COVID and stuff like that. Yep. But the plan, the plan at the minute is to play 22 games and then the season finishes and whoever is top and bottom get promoted and relegated. Brilliant. Excellent. Sorry, moving on. Football, admin and European football stories. <clears throat> sorry, sorry, Mark, Mark. There was one we missed there. The Aberdeen story. Oh yeah, I did. I did laugh when I when I read this, right? Because I thought to myself, you know, he hasn't. Alex hasn't sat foot probably in Aberdeen since about nineteen eighty six, since he yep. moved to Manchester United. And I did laugh when they turned around and said, Dave McCormick, who's uh, the chairman at Aberdeen, obviously, you know, they're seeking Alex's advice to who. Who gets uh, appointed? And yep, yep. <laughs> the thing that made me laugh was I turned around and thought to myself, "Yeah, the last time he did something like that, Man United appointed David Moyes, and look what happened there." But, yeah, that was a roaring success. Yeah, but um, all, all I'm going to say is, is just just on the Aberdeen thing as well. I mean, apparently Aberdeen are looking to appoint. Stephen Glass, uh, who was who was an ex Aberdeen player, and they're also looking to bring in Scott Brown from Celtic because apparently Scott Brown was with uh, Stephen Glass when they were Hibernian together. Um, but I've got I've got to be honest and say, from my own perspective, you know I think I think if it was me, I'd be trying to look. And go for somebody with a little bit more experience. I still, I still think that, and I know I said this in the pod a couple of weeks ago for them. I still think that you know somebody like a Stephen Robinson would be a good appointment for them. Yep, thank you, probably right. Right, moving on from there. So, football admin European stories. Mahata Milongo is to replace Gordon Taylor as PF, uh, PFA CEO. He was actually CEO at Real Mallorca. He's left there and gone back to um, England to be the CEO for the PFA. Played World Cup every two years and um, the Euros. Arsene Wenger says and scrapped the rest of them. So that's an interesting one. Also, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, the AC Milan striker, has been recalled by Sweden after retiring approximately five years ago, I believe it was. And Champions League, Steve Parrish says a reformed 36-team tournament would be devastating for English football. So, uh, Malongo to replace Gordon Taylor, Mark. Yeah. All, all, all I to say on this one would be, I was unaware, <laughs> even with my extensive football knowledge, right, I was unaware that this chap was a was a striker at Brighton and Hove Albion. Yeah. Um, I was only made aware of him, actually, where he was. The He was the CEO at... Real Mallorca. Yep. That was that was the first time I'd actually heard of him. Yep. Um, I think it's a great appointment, Mark. Yep. Not, not only that, 
you know, because of the diversity thing, you know, yep. and, I, and I think it's something that's long overdue, um, you know, and at the end of the day, hopefully he can help to address and bring things up to speed within the yep. PFA, yep. you know, in all sorts of different matters, because even though they've improved in recent months or within the last year, I would say, They've still got a long way to go and he'll be at the forefront of that and, you know, hopefully it'll be a great appointment for the PFA. Yep, let's hope so. I'm good to see some diversity as well. So, moving on. Yeah. Arsene Wenger says they should play the World Cup every two years and the Euros every two years and scrap everything else. Yeah, look, at first I thought to myself... He's lost the plot. The, the guy is definitely... It's the onslaught of old age here. But after thinking about it, Mark, I thought it's not actually that crazy because, you know, let, let's see how, you know, the next two Nations League sort yeah. of schedules are, right? And let, let's see in terms of crowds, in terms of people that are engaging with the tournament. Let's yeah. see how it goes. But I actually came around to the way of thinking that actually playing the tournaments every two years, World Cup and European Championship, isn't as bad as it sounds because the thing is, is you cut out any international friendlies whatsoever, you know, because even though with the, with the, you know, uh, bringing in of the uh, Nations League, right, we're still having friendlies, and I, and I just think to myself, the whole idea of the Nations League was not to have any friendlies whatsoever. So, yeah, I, I think I think I would be in favour of doing it because at least then you would know that in terms of qualifying and everything yep. that goes like on with that every two years, yep. you know that every game, every international game that you play has something on it. Absolutely. And I'm sure, I'm sure that would appeal to the vast majority of of supporters and fans. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yeah, 100%. So moving on to something that's um, quite surprising as well. Five years after his international retirement, records, uh, Sweden's record goal scorer, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, is to return to the international team at the right of old age of 39. Age is no barrier, Mark. It's certainly... Stop nicking my tagline. <laughs> now, I just want to point out to the listeners that well, Mark works on another show. Right? And, you know, I picked this one out especially for him to comment on. Right? And it was actually me the coin Age is No Barrier. Yeah, it was. And, it was. And, um, yes. And, I mean, look, good luck to him. I mean, let, let's be fair. He's yeah. probably still head and shoulders above most of the, you know, Swedish internationals. So good luck to him. And let's hope he bags a brace over the international break. Yeah, as long as he doesn't score against England again, I don't care. (laughs) 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 So, (laughs) moving on. Champions League. Steve Parrish, uh, Parrish, Steve Parrish, Steve Parrish says reform for that 16 tournament could be devastating for England. That was the Crystal Palace chairman. Oh, 100%, Mark. I mean, that this hasn't gone away, you know. Yep. All right, we're not hearing about it, but it's very much that you know the top European sides 
not necessarily talking about clubs in this country, but certainly yeah. this and teams like that there. Yeah. You know, they are pushing for this 32-team European yeah. League, and it would have a, you know, it's all right for us all to sit here and go, fine, let's get rid of all these top six or seven clubs in England and let them go off and form the European League. But it, it would be devastating for English football for the first few years until, you know, because financially all the money would end up going over to this European, you know, Super League. And that, that that's the reality. And much as you and I might sit there and go, oh, let them go, who gives the monkeys? You know, the not on effect for the English game, the domestic English game, would be devastating. And that wouldn't be just felt in the top league. That would filter down the whole game. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So once that money disappears, you know, uh, and it, it's a difficult one, but yes, I totally agree with Steve Parrish and the sentiment that he's made. Yeah. You know? Right, moving on now to women's football. <clears throat> Manchester United women are to play at Old Trafford for the first time when they take on West Ham in the Women's Super League on Saturday the 27th of March which is absolutely fantastic. Hannah Hampton, Birmingham City goalkeeper in tears before kickoff over Olympic exclusion. Yeah, poor timing. It was only announced 90 minutes before kickoff. And Sisterhood FC, Yasmin Abdullahi talks about the formation of what she believes is the only Muslim women's football team currently in the UK. Right over to you, Mark. Yeah, so effectively... All, all I'm going to say is the the Birmingham. I'm going to go to the Birmingham City one first. Yep. Right? Very poor timing. Um, it was uh, look. The thing is, is she knew that there was no guarantees, but the timing and the way that it was dealt with was was not very good. No, rifle. It, 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 it was awful, you yep. know. And the FA, the FA need to get that right. They need to get that right, you know. Um, and I'm sure she wasn't in any mental state for for the play for Birmingham that no. day. But um, I so. as I say, you know, it was it was it was bad timing, and the fact that they the fact that they sent her a text or an email, whatever it was. I mean, you know, common courtesy to me would say, yep. whoever whoever's running the show, you know, gives them a phone call. You know, Gareth, Gareth Southgate apparently phones, you know, and, and previous England managers have phoned players to let them know yep. that, unfortunately, they've been dropped. But I just I just think emails or texts is the cool way of doing it. And no wonder yep. the poor girl was in tears. So moving on, the, the, like, fantastic that, you know, the Manchester United women are actually getting to play at Old Trafford. Yep. I think they should be playing at Old Trafford for every home game. Personally, I agree with that. I say that for all football sides. Yep, you know, same with Southampton women in Southampton yeah, football clubs. Yeah, exactly. Hundred percent. Yep. You know, because yep. again, we're breaking down barriers here, Mark. Yeah. It's good know? enough for the men. It's good and, enough and for the, the women. The thing is, is the real shame for the Man United team is that they're not. You know, this hasn't happened during yep. normal times. You and know, also, Mark, because. And also, Sisterhood FC, the first ever women's team, Muslim team in the UK, wasn't one of the big clubs step in and say, you can play at our ground? Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. Perfect opportunity to showcase diversity. 
Yeah, no, oh, 100%. Mate. You know, the, the, the thing is, is there's so much more that we could be doing to embrace yeah. different things and yeah. positive, positive things, yeah. you know, positive things that are happening within football, within women's football and everything yeah. else. And, um, you know, just, just, to, just to say on the Man United thing, it's just such a shame that it's it's happening in lockdown because it gives their families, the supporters of them, the long-term supporters of them, the chance to go and sit in a home ground and watch a game. And it should be happening across the board yep, with actually. the football clubs. Absolutely, you know. absolutely. Yeah, in regards to diversity, obviously massive, massive congratulations to Yasmini Abdullahi for forming the first ever women's Muslim football team in the UK. Fantastic. Uh, I, I, just thought, I just thought this was fantastic. And when she said, I have a dream of seeing the first girl to play for England in a, you know, um, I, I just thought brilliant. And yep. You know, if you get a chance to read the story, it, it's it's on the BBC website. Um, the team that she formed, as Mark said, it's called Sisterhood FC. And she's just such a positive person. Yep. And that, that, go to the BBC Sport website under football and read the article, everyone. Let's hope at some point one of the Sisterhood FC players are, are representing the women's England football team. Yeah, Marianne Space Cow, if you're listening, get a couple of them down at Southampton. Do your bit as well. <laughs> Power to the women. <laughs> anyway, that brings us to the end of that section of the pod for today. So we're going to take a short break now, and when we come back, Saints in the press and transfer gossip. And then followed after that will be the two Saints preview of Bournemouth vs Saints in the FA Cup. We'll be right back after the very last story about Steve Cottrell. So, Steve Cottrell has returned home after COVID treatment, Mark. Brilliant news. Uh, fantastic news, mate. The, the reason why I raised this one again was, for those that may be unaware, that obviously Steve had already spent time in the hospital and he was actually back in for a second session. I mean, I, I was so worried when I heard that he'd gone back in for a second time, to be honest with you. So, obviously, he's had a really bad reaction to having the COVID and everything else. But I'm just so relieved that he's back home. And obviously, he's a football man. I mean, you know, like, like you said previously, you know, he, he'd done a lot of work from his hospital bed in, in yep. terms of organising, picking the team and everything else. So, um, I mean, the other concern that we'd have is is I just hope that you know Shrewsbury or Shrewsbury give him the time, you know, now that he's out of hospital to recuperate, stick by him as the manager, you know, and hopefully at the end of the day, once he comes through that, you know, there's better times ahead for Steve Cottrell and for Shrewsbury Town. Absolutely, absolutely right. Yep, that sums up up for anything, Mark. It's the Two Marks, CNH, on the Two Saints Show, Fiesta 95FM. Right, welcome back everybody. So, Saints in the Press and Saints Transfer Gossip. So, starting with Saints in the Press. Ralph Hasenhutl is concerned there's a lack of urgency amongst his Saints players. Ralph Hasenhutl alludes to the fact that if you don't win games, you are always in danger. Absolutely right there, Ralph. 
And Ralph Hassan, who will welcome him in the international break because it gives him a bit of time to work with the players on the training ground. And the last time we had a break, people, if you remember rightly, was Project Restart. And uh, quite a different team came back after that. So Ralph's got a bit of time to work with him now, Mark, and work on the basics that he was screaming at them about at the Brighton game. So of those three articles, I'm just going to cover two because what the middle one to me is self-explanatory. Absolutely. Right? And the middle, the middle headline was, for the listeners? The mis- middle headline was Ralph Hassan who was saying, if you don't win games, you're always in danger. Yes. Well, yeah. that, you don't say Sherlock. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything to that. That is okay. self-explanatory. Yep. I just want to extend on the urgency thing. Yeah, lack uh, of urgency was I'll, the first I'll, one, I'll and the just, last one was the international break. I'll just go, go back to refer you back to my review of the game. Yep. And when we were talking about Ralph on the touchline, right, there was certainly plenty of urgency in his voice, but unfortunately that didn't translate to the players on the pitch. And and it is is a concern. It is a concern. And, you know, let's hope that Sunday was a wake-up call and we're not we're not getting dragged into anything that we can't handle. Just just to turn around and say as well, Mark, you know, on the on the final article of that, I'll say this. I agree with Ralph. I think the international break can't come quick enough for us at the minute. Um I know we've got a big game on you know and it is a big game in terms of confidence on Saturday, and I'm not ignoring it and we will cover it. Yep. But in terms of having a break, you know, I think I'm right in saying that there's been two other international breaks this season, right? Yep. And it has given Ralph the opportunity on both occasions to work on things. Yep. And the team have come back with positive results. Yep. So let's hope it's a chance for them to refocus, right. regroup, yep. get their mojo. And get rid of some of that fatigue as well. Yes, exactly. You know, exactly. Because, it, it, of course, it takes its toll. I know it's the same for everybody. We're just focusing on scenes here. Well, and in uh, fairness, Mark, Mark, Ralph does use an employer system that requires a very high energy level, to be fair. It's a yeah. very high energy level game that he plays. And well, you do need to be absolutely, to get the best out of that system, you need to be 100%. 100%. And obviously part of the issue is they're probably not 100% at the moment because of the equipment they can't use and the lack of recovery time and stuff like that. I'm not making excuses, no. but obviously Ralph's system requires high intensity, high energy, and it does take its time, 100%. The, the thing is, is whether, whether our, our fans like it or not, I mean, the thing is, is Ralph, you know, Ralph's system is very similar to Klopp's. Yep. You know, and we've seen how, you know, Liverpool's title defence basically is in tatters this season. Yep, exactly. Um, and it, it, it's because of the amount of impact injuries and everything mm-hmm. else that they're having. Yep. You know, I've, I think a few weeks ago I went through a chart and I, I said to you, you know, Liverpool yep. were top, we were third, well, Leicester were second. Yep. And the thing is, you look at the, injuries, I think Mark. that comes from the hat from yep. pressing. Like you think, said, yeah. and if you look at the Saints... Look at the Saints' injuries. They're all muscle-related. They're either groin or hamstring, and that is from high pressing, high intensity, a lot of running. That's yep. where these injuries are coming from. It's coming from hamstrings, groins. 
you know, five muscles. It's all to do with running. Yeah, no, 100%. Mate. And, let, and uh, as you say, I mean, you know, the international break can't come quick enough because yeah, it gives you the chance to, to regroup, refocus, and also, you know, make sure that everybody's raring to go till the end of the season. Yeah, and also, let's not forget, everybody, Ralph is under the... It's given everyone a good indication that Danny Ings could well be fit after the international break. So that's good news too. Yeah, oh, no, 100%, mate, because I keep saying this. Uh, I didn't agree with, you know, people People just in case they think I'm an out-and-out Ralph supporter. <laughs> One of the criticisms that I do level with Ralph yeah. was he, he dropped Shea Adams because yeah. he felt that he wasn't scoring yeah. goals. But yeah. the thing is, is Shea Adams for me would be on the pitch every time. Because there are very few players that carry a goal threat. And him, right. him and Danny Ings in tandem, that's a goal threat. Yeah. And the only other goal threats we have is maybe Jan Badenrick or Vestergaard from a from yep. set plays. Yeah. From set plays. Yeah. Right? Or James Ward Price or Stuart yep. Armstrong. Yep, the absolutely. fact of the matter is no one else is chipping in me any goals. So you play the players, you know, that are a goal threat on the pitch. And I yep. just didn't agree. I didn't agree. Yes, he was off form, but I didn't agree with Ralph dropping him at the time. Yep. So go Shea, go Shea and Ralph, just make sure that you're picking him from now till the end of the season when he's available. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So moving on to Saints transfer gossip. There's um, a rumour circulating from the mirror that uh, Tottenham are in a summer move for Yannick Vestergaard. Um, that's the first one. Second one is Southampton are uh, one of the sides being linked with a move for Slavia Prague striker Jan Kushta, saying a 24-year-old could be Danny Ings' replacement. Premier League sides are monitoring Hattay sports striker Aaron Bupenza, and Southampton fans react to transfer rumour links linking Southampton with goalkeeper Fernando Pesce. Right, so let's go to the first one. And the first one's faster guard. Um, obviously, Tottenham are, Tottenham are doing what they did last summer in the sense that they've noticed that Vestergaard is yet to sign a new contract and his contract's up uh, next summer. And I dare say that, you know, if one or two targets fall by the wayside, because I would have thought that they probably got top targets that they're looking at, and you know, Vestergaard comes into that, but he probably comes in a little bit lower down. Yep. So maybe if they're if they're looking around or scrambling around and they're thinking, haven't got a lot of money to spend because of the COVID, you know, um, Yannick all of a sudden becomes, you know, an alternative to that. But I would still expect at least to get the eighteen million pound that we paid for him. Yep. You know. Uh, and and uh, as I say, is it possible? I, I would probably think yes, it is. For it's very possible, um, but I think it's a case of just uh, sitting and waiting to see yeah. if they decide to make a move for him. Absolutely right. Yeah, and Saints linked with twenty-four-year-old striker Jan Kushta from Slavia Prague, which is probably yeah. a market Saints should be shopping in, as you said, 
And Sue Sacking Kufau, I think it is. Is it Kufau? Both been yeah, massive success Kufau. at West Ham. Yeah. Uh, the, this one kind of baffles me a little bit because even though we sit and we say we've got very little money to spend in the summer, right? I mean, Slavia Prague... They beat Rangers last night. They're now in the last eight of the Europa League, right? Defensively, right? Defensively, they're one of the top teams in Europe, believe yeah. it or not, um, in terms of conceding goals and stuff like that. And and I've always, I've long said to you about it's an avenue that Southampton should be looking at because, you know, when Suchek and Kufel went the West Ham, it was for a combined fee of around 14 million quid. You know, we're paying that for one player and, and, and they're getting two players. And I dare say the market now, you know, the value of Slavia Prague players will go up slightly. So they need to be careful there. But it, it's definitely, look, it's definitely, that, that striker is definitely somebody that Saints should yeah. be looking at. You know, he is yep. a viable alternative and yep. he may not cost the earth. Yeah, the other striker they're looking at is Aaron Aaron Bupenza from Hatayspool. Yeah, he looks much more lively, but again, I worry because I do think I've seen a little bit of footage of him yep. and he looks unpredictable. Unpredictable in a good way, but then it could be unpredictable in a bad way. Yeah, you never quite and know. Maybe out of the two of them, I would tend to go with a Czech Republic player yep. before I before I go with it this lad from Turkey. Yep. You know, so Absolutely. yeah. And Saints fans reacting to a post on Twitter which replayed relayed a report that claimed Saints are interested in a summer suite for Fernando Pacheco, the Deportivo Alaves goalkeeper. Yeah, I find this one interesting mark because uh Fraser Foster's last year of his contract you know, from the summer, right? He's in the last year of his contract this summer. And obviously Alex McCarthy, that one's a little bit up in the air. I know a few weeks ago they were reporting that, you know, they were in contract talks with him. And But, you know, I'm thinking to myself, given recent performances, are they in contract talks with him? Um, you know, so what's that space on these? But... I do think that a new keeper coming in could be a possibility because the whole Angus Gunn situation is completely up in the air. Um, and we need to see what's happening there. Does he go back to Stoke City for another season? Or you know, will he come back to Southampton and fight for his place? But I don't think you're going to have three, you know, three goalkeepers. So it'll be interesting to see if they decide to move this summer for a keeper or whether yep. it'll be next summer maybe it's one that doesn't need to be addressed necessarily but yep. given the form of the keepers at the minute who knows yep exactly that. right and that brings us to the end of that so we're going to take a very short break now last one of the day and we're going to be doing the two saints preview of bournemouth versus saints in the fa cup quarterfinal when we come back in two minutes fiesta 95 fm the two saints show Right, welcome back. So, the two Saints preview of a massive weekend, Bournemouth versus Saints in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup mock. The last time out for Saints at Bournemouth, Bournemouth nil Saints 2, a late VAR drama leaving the Cherries on the brink. So, yeah. Um, that was so, uh, down at the Vitality, I believe. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, goals from uh, Danny Ings and Shea Adams. Shea yeah. Adams right at the death. Um, about the game itself, there's slight trepidation for me going into it, Mark. I know, you, yep. you know, I know we've spoken about Bournemouth won on Tuesday night against Swansea 3-0 and it was a resounding victory. Yes. And, you know, the the guy, funnily enough, that I hear, Mark, looks like he's going to be out injured, which is Junior Stanislas. Yeah. Um, but I'm just, I'm just weary because I sort of sit there and I think all the cards are kind of being stacked in our favour. But then I look at the run of results that we've had. Yep. It's still a potential banana skin. And, and I am slightly, I'll be honest, I am slightly nervous about it. But Yeah, I understand. Um, the thing is, is, it's an opportunity for the team to get things back on track. And that that's what's more important. They need a shot in the arm yep. for the confidence, for everything else. And I would have said that, <clears throat> you know, if they were playing a game of tiddlywinks. You know, the thing is, is like, there was too many people, as I said, that went in the meltdown. I, I got messages left, right and centre saying, I don't yep. care about the FA Cup. All I care about is making sure we stay in the Premier League. And all yep. I want to say about that, Mark, is you know Saturday's an opportunity for the the players to get a bit of confidence back, get a win, yep. get a bit of confidence back. So that this game, and I'm I'm not looking at the fact that you know they're going to Wembley for the semi final, but this game yep. represents an opportunity for them to get a bit of confidence, which I think, I think is sorely needed within the side. So yep. I'm going to go for a 2-0 victory. Yep, me too. And, and you know, let's, let's hope that they can they can get the show back on the road before we go for an international break. And yep. it's very, very important that they regroup and refocus Absolutely. during that time. Uh, and Bournemouth got their issues as well. Um, Shane Long's ineligible to play against Southampton, obviously. He's on loan from us, so he's ineligible to play. David Brooks is out with an ankle injury. It's probably good news because he's always been a thorn on our side whenever we've played them. Lewis Cook's out after rupturing his ACL. And Junior Stanislas actually limped off against Swansea. So he's a late fitness test. So he's looking doubtful. But David Brooks is definitely out. Lewis Cook's out. Chances are Stanislas is probably going to be past fit because they'll risk him, might not. They will risk him. Yeah, um, Southampton, um, basically, nobody's really doubtful for Saints. The only person ineligible is Takumi Minamino. And the only other players missing out of injury or long-term injuries, Theo Walcott, Danny Ings, Oreo Romeo, Michael Obfemi, or Will Smallbone. So Saints are pretty much full strength apart from those that I've just mentioned. So the cards have fallen our way, Mark, as you say. But, I mean, I'm going for 2-0 Saints, but uh, it's not a foregone conclusion. It won't be an easy game. But if Saints are at the races, they should win it. And yeah. it should win it comfortably 2 0. So I agree with that. Um, for that, for me, um, I don't really have anything further to add on that, apart from coming new Reds. So thanks ever so much for joining myself and Mark H on the podcast today. So it's goodbye from me. Yeah. Thanks for taking the trouble to listen. Uh, I hope it was an enjoyable one for you. In the meantime, until next week, I mean, we're going to have a break, but we're going we're gonna to do a show hopefully next week. So until next week, you know, keep well, stay safe, and all the best. And thanks for listening, as I said. Absolutely right.
And regards to the podcast, the ways to access the podcast are these. Just to remind you all, you can contact us via our email address, the Two Saints Podcast Show at Outlook.com, for questions or items you'd like to hear in future shows. You can listen to the radio show on Fiesta 95FM in Southampton and via onlineradiobox.com. Also, the Two Saints Podcast Show is now available via Spotify, SoundCloud, Overcast, Acast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podbean, or via our Facebook page, The Two Saints Show, and our YouTube channel, The Two Saints Podcast Show. Right, there we go, and all that's left for me to say is join us again next week when The Two Saints go marching in again. Goodbye. Goodbye.